Let's pray. Father, we don't want to be like Judas. We want to be like Mary. And if anyone in the hearing of my voice is in the bondage that Judas was in, I pray for deliverance by the Word of God, which is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, and pierces down to reveal those kinds of slaveries. So Holy Spirit, come and grant that we would be attentive to your word, faithful to it. And would you open minds and open hearts that we would have a collective and powerful understanding of the word and response to the word with our hearts and our minds. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you where I think this story is going, and then we will go into the story and let John take us there. I think the point of this story is this. It is a beautiful thing when the worth of Jesus and the love of his followers match. When the value of his perfections and the intensity of our affections correspond. And it is not beautiful, but suicidal, when they don't. Let's be more specific. We, we can be more specific in this text as to what the point is. The worth of Jesus here in this text, the perfection of Jesus focused on by Mary and Martha and Lazarus, is that by His grace and His power, He raises the dead. And He is life. I am the resurrection and the life. He raises the dead and He's the life we live for. John eleven twenty five, he had said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And there are affections of wonder and gratitude and ecstasy that match that power. Especially when you see your dead brother walk out of the grave. Jesus wants to make sure that in six days at another grave, namely his own, they don't lose that sense of wonder that he is the resurrection and the life in the grave. Keep that Don't lose this, Mary. So let's listen now while John tells us this story. Verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus, therefore, interesting word here, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, 
whom Jesus has raised from the dead. Now, John had just said in the previous verse, 1157, that the chief priests and the Pharisees had issued a warrant for his arrest because of the raising of Lazarus. So when it says, therefore, he's come back to the place where it happened, we know he's moving into danger now and not away from it. And this is intentional. This Passover is the final one. Six days, he's dead. And he knows it. Verse 2. So, since he had come back here intentionally into the very place where he raised him from the dead and stirred up all this animosity, so they gave him a dinner. I think we need to feel this, that this is a, this is not your ordinary supper. This, they gave him a dinner. He came back, they put it on. They put it on for him. I think this is planned. I think the, the Mary thing was planned. I think Martha was planned. I think Lazarus sitting there was planned. They gave him this dinner. And there sits Lazarus as exhibit A, it says. And Martha doing her usual thing. Bless her heart. I'm glad there are Marthas in the world. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. And my sense is this is a very special dinner in honor of Jesus who raised this man from the dead. He had probably taken off quickly as he saw the opposition building, and now is the chance to give him honor. And Mary is about to express her heart to Jesus in a lavish way. And Lazarus is quietly watching while Martha makes sure everything is just so. Verse 3. Another therefore, since this is a dinner given in his honor, Mary's going to make a presentation. Could be that the whole family pooled their resources. Could be that they went all over the place to get the resources. Could be that this was a family heirloom had been passed down in this flask for decades. We don't know, but what is going to happen here was simply astonishing. Verse 3, Mary, therefore, he had come, they had given him a dinner, therefore, she took a pound, the word is litra, Technically, 11 and a half ounces, about the size of a can of pop, okay? So picture a flask, that's a lot of oil, a lot of, a lot of perfume, a lot of ointment. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, very highly valued fragrance, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So Martha's role is to see that the dinner is put on and it's beautiful and nothing goes wrong and Mary's role is to take the, the flask and pour it over Jesus' body, including his feet. And in both of those ways, Martha's way and Mary's way, 
wonder and joy and thanks for the greatness of Jesus and his grace and power that raised their brother from the dead who sits right there. Then in verses 4 and 5, Judas speaks up with unbelievable disregard for what has just happened in lavish affection for Jesus. Verse 4, Judas Iscariot, the one, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, those words reveal two things. Number one, how expensive the ointment was. Number two, how suicidal it is when our affections don't match the worth of Jesus. Jesus, Judas, is going to die in a few days at his own hands, and he's paving the way. Now, if he wasn't exaggerating, why didn't we sell this for 300 denarii? You know how much this is worth? I compute about $25,000. A denarii is a day's wage. So I just took, I know they worked 12 hour days in those days because there's a parable about that. And I took minimum wage, 725 an hour a day, and I did the math, and you know, it's right around that. Good night. So, I don't know where they got this money. You can speculate like I did a minute ago. Heirloom, collection, long-time family savings. Maybe they're wealthy. I don't, I don't know. That's a lot of money. Judas' scheme of values is deeply different than theirs. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are are just over the top in love with Jesus. Anything to show him how thankful we are and how great he is and how wonderful he is. And Judas, exactly the opposite. He would not give $25,000. He will, in five days, sell Jesus for $1,000. John tells us in verse 6 what is in Judas's heart. Judas said this, namely, why do we sell this for the poor? Ju Judas said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. In other words, in response to the worth of Jesus, Mary's heart was full of wonder and thankfulness and joy, overflowing in a lavish demonstration of affection. And Judas's heart felt none of that. <coughs> none of that. None of it. He valued money more than he valued Jesus. Mary loved Jesus, 
Judas loved money. Mary's heart corresponded to the treasure Jesus is. Judas's heart contradicted the treasure that Jesus is. That's what we're supposed to see. How beautiful it is when the hearts of the followers and the worth of Jesus match. How suicidal it is when they don't. Verse 7, Jesus responds to Judas and gives three reasons why he should leave her alone. And these three reasons, as I thought on this text, sum up the story. Verse 7, Jesus said to Judas, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you don't always have me. Here are the three reasons that I'm going to look at with you that tell the story and sum up the the whole point. I'm going to take them in this order. Second half of verse 8. Leave her alone, Judas, because you're not always going to have me like this. Reason number two, first part of verse 8. Leave her alone, Judas, the poor you always have with you. Reason number three. Leave her alone, Judas, so she can keep this for the day of my burial. That is, stop talking in a way that would hinder her from keeping her love and her wonder and her joy and her hope at my death. Now those are the reasons that he should shut up. Let me say them again. The first reason relates to Mary's sense of valuing Jesus. You won't always have me with you. This is about me, Judas. This is about my value. My presence in the body for you to see and and hear and touch and eat with will be here a short time longer. Five or six days. Mary feels the preciousness of this, Judas. So leave her alone. Her heart is right. Yours is wrong. Here's the second one. The second reason relates to Judas's valuing of money. When he refers to the poor, it's a cover for covetousness. That's true for a lot of people, by the way. He's a thief. He wants money. You want money? He wants money, not Jesus. His heart is the opposite of Mary's heart. So, Judas, your heart is wrong. Leave her alone. Hers is right. She sees my value. You don't see anything in me 
except something worth selling. So be quiet. Number three, third reason relates to whether Mary will be able to keep on treasuring Jesus even when he's buried. Mary, remember, is specifically thrilled that Jesus has the grace and the power to raise her brother from the dead. He has life in himself. He shares it with people who trust him. She's feeling this. She's loving this. She's blown away by this. As she pours the oil out, she's not thinking, oh, I wish I didn't have to give so much. She's just absolutely staggered at the resurrecting power of Jesus. And in six days, he'll be dead. And Jesus knows Judas's talk could ruin her for that. Because if he infects her with his kind of heart, what will she say at the tomb of Jesus? Well, I thought he would have helped. I thought he was the resurrection. So shut up, Judas said. She may keep this moment at my grave. Now, those three reasons, when you reflect on them, three reasons why Judas should leave her alone, those three reasons, if you just step back like I did for about three more hours on Friday afternoon and just think about them, pray over them, read the story over and over again with those three reasons in mind, lights go on everywhere. <laughs> So let me do it again. Let me walk through these three reasons again and, and just lay out the things that have really taken me in this story. This is a hugely important word to you. This is just the, the lines are drawn in this text, right? There's Judas and there's Mary. And you're like one of those. Reason number one. Again, leave her alone, Judas, because you don't always have me with you. Judas, tragically, you are not born of God. You're like Nicodemus. He couldn't see anything. Well, how are we supposed to get born again? Crawl inside our mommy's tummy? You don't know anything. You've been walking with me for three years and you are dead like Nicodemus was before his conversion. You can't see the most obvious thing in the world. To know me, see me, hear me, touch me, fellowship with me is infinitely valuable. Judas, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. 
And the Word became flesh and is right now at this table dwelling among you full of grace and truth. And you can't see anything and will sell me for a thousand dollars in five days. You are dead. Mary has seen my glory. Mary has tasted my grace. Mary has glimpsed my truth. And Mary's heart has been formed by the value she sees in me. And she has reached for the most lavish thing she could find to express the inexpressible. A heart that matches my worth. Leave her alone, Judas. You have no inkling of what is going on here. That's the way some people sit in worship. Sometimes I can see it. It means nothing. This is sad. We prayed downstairs. God, awakening, awakening. Now, through the Word of God, Look at it, Judas. Look at it, Bethlehem. Look at it, world. Look how lavish this display of love is. 300 days wages. Gone in a moment. Just like that. On the foot and on the floor. My brother is alive. This is the man who has power to raise the dead. She sees it. Jesus is the reason worth living for. He's the resurrection and the life, he said. There's no measuring the value of Jesus. Isn't that the point? There's no measuring the value of Jesus. There's no quantifying his worth. There's no calculating, calculating the cost of love. There's no way to put your heart in a scale and, and say, oh, that's enough affection. There's no way. He is infinitely valuable. And when you're awakened from the dead by the Holy Spirit, you begin to see it. And all your values change. Jesus is inexpressibly wonderful and Mary is inexpressibly affectionate. They match. That's beautiful. It's the point of the story. Look, look, Judas, look, Bethlehem, look, world. Look, she's putting it on his feet. His dirty, smelly, human feet. Why? Because the least of Jesus is worthy of the best of us. You don't put the best ointment on the head and 
the worst ointment on his feet because the lowliest part of Jesus is infinitely more precious than the highest gift of man. Look, Judas. Look, Bethlehem. Look, world. She's wiping it off with her hair. Why? Why not a nice, clean, soft towel? That's what Jesus used a few hours later. Do you remember how Peter responded in Luke 5 to the miraculous catch of fish at the word of Jesus? Remember that? We've been fishing all night. Won't work. Okay. You say throw it down, we'll throw it down. And they pull up so much fish, two boats start to sink. What does Peter do? He falls flat on his face and says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus hadn't said a word about his sin. He just treated him super good. Over the top good. And in that presence of grace, so it works for me, I feel most unworthy. I think Mary was just overwhelmed with what was there before her and how unworthy she was. Jesus, cleanness and sweetness of aroma befits you. Your purity and holiness and power and grace Sweetness and cleanness befits you. But as for me, odors and dirt befit me. My hair is the cleanest, most beautiful thing that I have. And if I could serve to magnify your purity and your sweetness, it would honor me to turn my hair into a rag for your feet. This is a wonderful thing. This is a beautiful thing when the affections of a woman match the worth of Jesus. Look, Judas. Look, Bethlehem. Look, world. Look at the room. Verse 3. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Heartfelt, personal, intense, warm, affectionate, authentic worship never stays private. It will be out. Others will know it. They'll see it off your face if it was private in this room during corporate worship. Meeting Jesus the way she met Jesus with this outflow of over-the-top affection never is a merely private thing. It always can be, the fragrance of Christ can be smelled.
lavish, heartfelt, sacrificial, grateful display of affection for Jesus. And everybody was blessed in the whole banquet. So leave her alone, Judas. That's argument number one. Leave her alone. I won't be around very long and I'm the issue here. My worth is the issue here. She sees it, you don't. She feels it, you don't. Leave her alone. You don't understand at all what's going on here, Judas. Reason number two. Leave her alone, Judas, because the poor you always have with you. Verse 8. Judas, let me start by giving you the benefit of the doubt. You love the poor? Guess what? The rest of your life, serve the poor. They're always going to be there. In fact, Judas, you better love the poor. I love the poor. So, you may now feel free, with no obstacle for Mary at all, to love the poor the rest of your days. Go ahead. Judas, I know you, you don't love the poor. And you don't love me. You love money. In five days you'll sell me for 30 pieces of silver. Listen, Judas. Listen, Bethlehem. Listen, world. To the Apostle Paul. Where did he learn this? Where did Paul Learn this. We brought nothing into the world. We will take nothing out of the world. If we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into Many hurtful and senseless desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by this kind of craving, some have wandered away from the faith. Oh, Judas, and pierced themselves with many pangs. Where do you think you learned that? I want money. I want to die. The love of money is suicidal. Jesus said it. Paul said it. Judas proved it. Do you love money? Do you want to be rich? That's what the Bible says. If you want to be rich, you're on a suicidal track. Money is deadly. I mean money, not just the love of it. It's deadly. We have to handle it. We have to make it. We have to use it. But like fire in our hands. Judas, Bethlehem, If you can't see me, 
and my worth, you're going to die and never see me again. You can't serve two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other, or you'll despise the one and be devoted to the other. You can't serve God and money. You're devoted to money, Judas. You're devoted to money. You get up in the morning and think money. You go to bed at night, you think money. You open the newspaper and go to the stock page, you think money, 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 money. It is the hope and the God that you have. It's your security. It's your pathway to pleasure. And you're dead. You're going to die, Judas, and never see me again. Think what Mary could have bought. That's reason number two. Leave her alone. You're a lover of money, not a lover of me. Third, leave leave her alone that she may keep it for the day of my burial. It's a very difficult verse. The commentators are all over the place here on what this means. So I'm just going to tell you what I think it means and you can read read the commentators and... Leave her alone, verse 7, leave her alone so that she may keep it, whatever it is. I think the ointment's already on the feet and the floor. There's nothing there to be kept anymore. Leave her alone so that she may keep it for unto the day of my burial, which is just six days away. The clue that helps me the most to come to terms with this verse is that it looks as though Jesus is saying, Judas' words, if they keep on, like, leave her alone so that if they keep on, something bad's going to happen, right? Leave her alone so that, because if you keep going, that may not happen. Now, then I ask the question, well, what? I mean, his words don't help any ointment stay in the bottle, so I don't think that's it. His, his talk is about to undo something that might come true at the grave or might not if he has his way. So you be quiet so that that doesn't happen and the other thing does happen. That's the clue that I got. That, that way of talking seems to be pointing not towards so that she'll have some ointment for the day of burial, but so that she'll have what? Let her keep her amazement. Let her keep her wonder. Let her keep her joy. Let her keep her trust. Let her keep this moment all the way to my grave. The specific amazement that she has here is at his resurrection. Life. He raised her brother from the dead. That's what this dinner is about. I have a Savior who raises the dead. I've watched him do it. And there sits Lazarus. Now, this moment, confidence in Jesus 
exuberance over His power and His grace, lavish demonstrations of affection. Judas, you be quiet so that she keeps that for the day of my burial. That's my interpretation. She's lavish with her love toward me, Jesus says, because she's seen her brother die and rise again, because I raised him. And now the question is, when she sees me go dead and cold into the grave, will she believe that is the resurrection and the life? Doesn't look like it. He looks dead. It's not Lazarus anymore. This is the one who raises the dead who's dead. Will she, at that burial moment, keep it? This moment, this lavish trust, confidence, wonder, awe, amazement, gratitude. Will she keep it or will it all vanish? So, in conclusion, three exhortations, Bethlehem. If any voice tells you to moderate your love for Jesus, don't listen to them. Let your affections for Jesus be lavish so that they match his worth. Number two. If any voice tempts you to want to be rich in money, don't listen to them. And they're everywhere in America. If any voice tempts you to want to be rich, just want to be rich, don't listen to them. Jesus is your riches, and all that money can buy cannot compare with him, but it can keep you from having him. Did Judas. And number three, if any voice tells you that the death of Jesus is anything less than the triumph over death, don't listen to them. If any voice tells you that this burial is anything other than the explosion of death, the death of death, the victory over death. If anybody tells you it's anything other than that, don't believe them. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus said, do you believe this? And I think he's saying to Mary, are you going to believe this six days from now at my burial? Let's pray. Father, unless I'm mistaken, hundreds of people are saying, God, save me from Judas-like suicidal affections and grant me Mary-like 
Christ-exalting affections. Would you answer those prayers, Father? Especially those who came into this room dead and have had the spark struck on the anvil of truth. Would you breathe by the oxygen of your Spirit upon that spark and make it eternal life? There is no greater thing than knowing you, Lord Jesus. No greater thing. Work that in our hearts, I pray now in in the name of Christ. Amen.